there, everyone. It's time for another bonus episode. We have had so many this season as Home for All podcast hits its two-year anniversary. If this is your first time here with us, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, welcome back. And don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about us. I am ACARS Communications Director, Kelly Moss, and your host for today's episode. And I'm here to bring you news about this crazy market we're in, right? Just when you thought the market couldn't get any nuttier, it proves us wrong. And here comes something else for our realtors to manage. That's why today's show is going to be a must for all of our members out there as we talk about navigating the changing market here in Ohio. My guests for today work all over inside and outside our ACAR footprint. With me today are Aaron Boer from Keller Williams, the Art of Real Estate team, Tim Damiano from Russell Realty Company, Damiano Kilbane Group, on the ACAR Board of Directors, and Jeremy Fennell from EXP Realty, also ACAR Board member. Together, we're going to sit down and have a great discussion on what today's market looks like, where we might be headed, and how agents can best prepare for what may be to come. So let's do this. Grab your coffee and your earbuds and make this spot your home for the next 30 or so minutes. We're happy that you're here. ACAR Home for All podcast is a bi-weekly production where we will host interviews, facilitate conversations, and talk about what's happening in the world of real estate. We'll introduce you to the important people in your community and help you learn how to grow your real estate-related business. This is an adult show and some adult language might occasionally creep into the conversation. So let's move forward and find out what makes Northeast Ohio the best home for all. Hey there to all of our in-studio guests today. I love it when we have a full house. Um, as I mentioned in our opener, we're sitting down today with Aaron, Tim, and Jeremy to talk about the changing real estate market and some of the best navigation tools for realtors. Welcome to all of you today, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate that. Would you each like to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about your career path, how you got to where you are today? Thanks, Kelly. I'm excited to share and learn today. My name's Erin Boer. I got licensed in 2010. I'm the founder of The Art of Real Estate with Keller Williams Elevate in Strongsville, Ohio. And I actually get to run the team with my husband, Michael Smith. I am also an agent coach through KW's MAPS Coaching Program, and I coach agents all across the country. That's awesome. Very well done. Who's going next? Hi, I'm Jeremy Fennell. Um, I got my license in 2014. I started off at Howard Hanna, um, was there for about four years, and then went on to manage for uh, Stuffer Realty. I managed their still office for about two years. And then um, when the company was sold, I moved to EXP. So that's where I currently am. Um, I also was president of Portage County Association of Realtors. Um, and I currently sit on the board of directors here at Akron Cleveland Association of Realtors. Awesome. Welcome, Tim. Good afternoon. Thank you. This is Tim Damiano. I'm with Russell Real Estate Services, and I'm honored to be here today alongside Aaron and Jeremy, two of my 
colleagues and favorite people. Uh, I work for Russell Real Estate Services. My business partner, Chris Kilbane, and I, we have a team. It's the Damiano Kilbane Group. I've been licensed since 2007, which means I was there when the crash happened in 08. So it was, um, my glass has always been half full because coming into the, the business at that particular time, you know, it's, That's tough. It, it was, yeah, it was very challenging. So uh, Chris and I have, a, we manage a team of eight. Um, I originally started off, the reason I got into real estate is I was a victim of predatory lending. Back in the day, I was an investor myself. And so I was a victim of predatory lending. So one of the things that fueled me to get into the business is the fact that I didn't want to allow what happened to me happen to others. So I kind of got into it because I wanted to protect, uh, you know, homeowners and, and buyers and sellers and their rights and whatnot. So that's that's why. But I've been doing it for almost 16 years and I love every day of it. I'm also like Jeremy, I'm, I'm on the board of directors here at the Akron Cleveland Association of Realtors, as well as some other committees. And I love what I do. Awesome. Wow. This is going to be a great conversation. I can't wait. So let's just jump right in um, and, and, and you know, answer some questions for the, the listeners out there. So the real estate market has been on quite a journey for the last uh, couple of years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the sure. median price of a home in the U.S. has risen rapidly in the last two years since, you know, COVID began. And we're starting to see kind of a leveling off of things in the market. So with that in mind, you know, many realtors are finding themselves in a changing atmosphere that, you know, perhaps, you know, they're they're not quite ready for. They've never even, you know, seen, especially for those who are, you know, relatively new. Um, what do each of you see as the hardest thing for realtors to have to manage as, you know, the, the sands below them shift these days? Who wants to go first? <laughs> everybody's looking at me, so I'll okay. start. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, we have come into a time right now where things are getting slightly challenging. I'm a very positive realtor. There's a lot of negative things right now on social media, on TV, if you still read the newspaper like I do because I'm older. But <laughs> there's, uh, there's a lot of negative things about the real estate market because the fact that we have come across uh, interest rates have now began to uh, rise and we're sitting somewhere around 7%. Like I said, I'm always a glass half full guy. I, I can I can relate back to I remember buying homes back in in the late '90s and early 2000s when interest rates were even higher than this. So I I look at we 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 look at my partner Chris and I now. What we do is we kind of sit down and we look at all right, we're having issues now with cost of living, inflation, and things are increasing. So now what we kind of trying to do is, and I'm sure Jeremy and and, and Aaron are doing the same thing is. We're looking at different programs like these two one buy downs with with lenders and whatnot sure. to helping out with with closing cost credits and different things to where we can actually get a seller as well as ourselves to do something to where, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're giving a concession to where they're helping buy someone's rate down for a year or two, save them a percent or two, nice. kind of get them back down into that 5% neighborhood where we, where we were not too long ago. And with the hopes that things, you know, things shall change here in the next year or two, interest rates should start to come down at that point you know, those individuals can refinance. So I just think it's education. I try to educate my buyers and sellers. Don't listen to what you hear, right. social media and the media, like don't oh, listen to so all the negative. We have to stay positive. One of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm sure I speak for Aaron and Jeremy, I don't like people in our business that are like, oh, it's so hard out there and it's this and that. You want to go home and talk to your husband or wife or your kids and tell them, boy, it's tough out there. Don't put that kind of, uh, you know, don't put those ideas in people's heads. Like we need sure. to stay positive, especially through this time. So well, like it, it causes, uh, you know, apprehension amongst other people out there. And then that just feeds on itself. 
So that's that's harsh. Yeah. You know, so yeah, if you want to share it at home, <laughs> by all means, you know. Again, in the intro, I told you I got licensed in 07. I was there in 08 when yeah, it crashed. It was rough. This is nothing compared to what we went through. And the and the realtors that are still in the business, they know this is nothing compared to what we went through right. 16, 15, 16 years ago. Do you guys have anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the other hard thing for agents is things aren't going to come as easy as they were the last few years. So really, it's um, learning new skills, learning new tasks, whether it's prospecting, there's going to be different ways of prospecting and finding clients than they were, you know, people aren't just going to be calling you like they were for the last two years. So I really think that agents need to start being proactive again and you know whether it's back on telephones or sending out mailers or you know all these different types of um i call them because i'm newer in the business to some of them but i call them old school tactics of prospecting and (laughs) and you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel you just have to go back to the things that actually worked you know back in the 08s and 09s and you see the guys who really grew their business during those times it's because you know, they've consistently done those things still to this day. And, you know, they're not going to it's not going to affect them like it will. A lot of these newer agents that have been um, just used to their phones ringing and they're getting, you know, leads off social media and stuff like that. It's I, I think it's going to change uh, dramatically for agents in that direction. So um, really just just going back and learning some new tasks and new skills to um, prospect and, and build your business. Because anytime's a good time to build a real estate business. And I, I think you can see agents who have built successful businesses in downturn markets. And it's because every, when everybody else is getting out and you're putting in the work, you're still going to grow. So I, I don't think that there's anything like he said, it's, it's staying positive and, and just putting your you know head up, keep your head up and put in the work and you'll still see the results. So. I agree with that. I think, you know, work in that sphere of influence is always important, but now more than maybe even it was the last couple of years because, you know, things are different. So, Correct. yeah, okay. I mean, can I chime in? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So to piggyback off what Jeremy said a little bit, I mean, I summarize it in, I think, two big challenges. One is discipline. And I think another is creating urgency with our right. clients. The market has done a really good job of creating urgency for us. Oh, yeah. Because if you didn't write an offer within sometimes an hour of being at home, it was gone. Yeah. So I think it's really stepping back and understanding why is your client buying or selling a home? What is their true motivation? You know, someone may say downsizing. That's not somebody's true motivation. Right. I'm scared in two years. I'm not going to be able to do these stairs in my house um, or I need to get closer to my family. And having those conversations to really uncover their true motivation to create urgency without, you know, having commission breath and being forceful. So it's just being extremely relational. And then if we're going to be really real here, the discipline comes from within. It is unfortunate that so many realtors don't know their numbers. They don't know how many contacts they have to make to set an appointment. They're kind of just throwing a lot at the wall. And you know, see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I do have a team, I say, like, if you didn't have a real estate conversation today, did you go to work? Like, truthfully. Truthfully, yeah. Nobody's going to come and drag you out of bed and force you to have these two-way conversations. And I think sometimes, like, social media is a very passive way and it's a great tool. But is that the best form of lead generation for some people doing it at a high level? Absolutely. But did you pick up the phone? And yeah. have a real estate conversation with someone today. And if not, you do have to ask yourself, did I go to work today? 
Well, and that's that's the thing. I mean, and and what do you define your your workday as then? Is if is it posting one thing on social media? So oh, I did my job today, or or is it actually working those leads and actually calling people? There, there's this really cool thing. It's called a phone, <laughs> and and you know, I it, you can use it for pictures and you can use it for texting, but you can also call people with it. You know, <laughs> so absolutely, um, you know, so it, it's an interesting it's an interesting market you know, how things are changing and people are having to learn to do things a different way. So, um, so how do each of you think that local expertise plays into the situation right now? So is, you know, we talk about subject matter experts and with, with respect to realtors and, you know, perhaps being the subject matter expert in an area where you live or you, you know, where your office is or whatever, how, how does that play into the day to day? Uh, I mean, numbers don't lie, right? So I, I'll reference that probably several times throughout <laughs> this conversation Great because point. they're they put they tell a story. Sure. Um, so tracking your activities, your conversion rates, your market stats. Um, I'm pretty passionate about don't sell a home in an area that you don't know anything about. There Smart. are a lot of nuances to different areas between point of sale. Well and septic. I mean, there's you just have to know what you're yep. doing. And of course, you know, I was saying I got licensed in 2010. I the market was already down when I got in. So yep. I'd be being dishonest if I didn't say that I have some nerves about what's going on. Sure. Uh, which nerves can be good. Um, but maybe you're an REO or a short sale or you know, an investor. Like if that's your lane, great. But I do think having a general knowledge of real estate as a whole is very important. You can't just put your blinders on and sure. pick one thing. Um, but if you're going to call yourself an expert, you better be an expert. You better know yeah. you better know <laughs> what you're talking about, know the area that you're working in. Yes. Because look, your clients are going to expect that, right? 100%. I mean, you're their advocate. You're right. protecting them. They're not buying not to be offensive, but just a car. They're buying a home. Right. It's the largest financial transaction of their life. <laughs> so do you guys do you, you know, I had somebody say to me on another another podcast episode actually that you know, it helps for for realtors to get out into a particular area if they don't know it very well. Look at, you know, patronize the businesses, look at look at the area, do, do your homework. Do you do you guys kind of do work that if there's an area that you're not quite sure you know, but you, you know, kind of want to work in that area. Do you, do you do your, your background, you know, your foot traffic and see what's going on there? Yeah. So, I mean, I particularly, I like to keep up on a big area. I mean, I, I service a pretty big area as far as going out with buyers and stuff like that. But I, I'm one of those people that like to keep up on trends and markets in all the different areas because I you can really see correlations when you look at okay what's happening on the west side to the east side of Cleveland you know and and you start seeing the you know likeness in different communities as far as on each side so um, you'll start seeing trends when you know this area prices are starting to come down. You know that typically on the west side, you're going to see that trend happen in some of those other communities that are like those. Sure. So it, I think it really helps to you know do your research and, and be on top of all the different areas and not just focus on your one. You know, I'm, I'm sure we all have our our main areas that we kind of live in, and we do a lot of you know our community-based events. You know, going 
to like our local events, chamber of commerce and stuff like that. But we also service, you know, a, a bigger area. So um, I, I really think it's just being in touch with that marketplace and all the markets and and doing your research and, you know, seeing what's going on in those. Um, another thing we were talking about was uh, she brought up, you know, kind of like a niche mm -hmm. you know you yeah. see a lot you see a lot of agents that do do niches and um i have a joke saying niches get you riches because um <laughs> I you like know some some agents do that do are very successful they do focus on things like you know veterans or first-time home buyers or you know so it, it's okay to have those niches um but obviously like we were talking about before you know as this market changes i think you'll start seeing some of those you know, niche agents expand out their businesses and other things because, you know, it's obviously going to change for them. But um, it, it is a good thing sometimes to be in different niches. I mean, obviously, back in 08, 09, the guys who, you know, did are these REO properties and stuff like that. I mean, that's a perfect example. You know, they they had a good five, six year run doing REOs and they made a lot of money. But obviously, when the market came back, you know, they went out of business because they didn't have the REO properties to service anymore. Sure. So they had to expand their business into something else. So it, it's always a changing market. So, you know, those niches can go away and come. So I think like Aaron said is, you know, you could have those niches, but you also want to keep your other options open too. You don't want to just go all in on that one thing. So, well, and it's keeping your, keeping yourself open to different opportunity, Correct. you know, and cause like you said, anything can change in, in a in a heartbeat these days. So it's important to be a fully, fully rounded. Exactly. Like, you know, to piggyback on Aaron and piggyback on what Jeremy was saying, like, like Aaron said, if you're going to be the expert, you got to know your numbers. You right. Know, you have to know, you know, you have to stay well versed in that. And Jeremy brought up a great point when I was licensed, you know, back in 07, 08, 09, 10. I started doing a lot of short sales. Mm -hmm. So I probably did over 150, 160. And at one point, you know, I get agents calling from other brokerages being like, I heard you're the guy to go to the, you know, short sale. I'll give you, send me a referral. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you must be out of your mind. It's a lot easier now. I'm actually currently handling a short sale right now. I think we're going to see a few more of those come out, but I don't think the market's going to be anywhere near as bad as it was, you know, because we didn't know what we didn't know back right. then. Now, right. you know, with this, changing market. And if we do see some, you know, folks falling into pre foreclosure, I do a lot of work in pre foreclosure work as well. I work with some really good attorneys, paralegals and different things like that. And they offer programs because the bank doesn't want the property back. No, because that that asset now becomes a liability. No, because they, they want their money. They want their money. Exactly right. <laughs> so but to piggyback on you, the, 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 the niches get riches. I love that. I'm going to use that now. That was my niche for the longest time. Sure. But Chris and I, we also work with investors too. We do a lot of work with investors. So we have worked with investors since, you know, oh, oh, me personally, Chris got licensed in 2010, but in 08, 9, 10, I was doing right. investors, Chris came in. So it's always great to be fully rounded, like you said, but like Aaron said, if you're going to say you're an expert, then then be an expert and, sure. and know your numbers. And yes, point of sale, like it was brought up, like know these different neighborhoods and know what's going on. Get to know what's going on within the, within the local governments in those neighborhoods, different things like that. It's very important. But also what Aaron said, do not, I, I don't prefer, I, I, I'm, if I'm not familiar with a city, I really prefer not to, you know, sell in that city sure. and work in that. I, I'm just, I'm going to tell them I, I really don't know, you know, this, that, and the other about right. the, the city. So, you know, I could, could I, could I learn? I'm sure I could learn, but I, I, there's someone else out there that works in that, you know, we'll put them in touch with someone. So, 
And like so, a plug for getting involved in your board and networking is you're always going to know, like if I get a short sale tomorrow, I'm content because I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. That's yeah. full transparency. So if you come and you get involved, you're going to know the right fit for that. Agent, sure. And you're you will do your kind of disservice to pretend, you know, things you don't know. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, no, I did not coach Erin to say that she should <laughs> people should get involved with their board. Although I will I will say that, that you know, our our government affairs director, Jamie McMillan, will be very proud that you that you all are embracing all of the legislative uh, and yeah. everything that's going on. She's trained you all well. <laughs> She's the best. Yep. She's the best. So let's talk about seller's market versus buyer's market versus neutral market. So um, for the last couple of years, um, as you know, we mentioned maybe in the opener that we've had a record low inventory in our area. I mean, you know, it's it's been you know, record low inventory, record breaking sale prices for things. Most um, most of the real estate economists have agreed that like a five to six month supply of inventory gives us a balanced market, indicating that we're still very much now in a seller's market because we're not there. Um, would you agree that it's likely to stay that way for a while? In, in, or if neutrality is the case, can can customers ex- what what can they expect to see as far as interest rates adjusting and things like that to to account for that low inventory? Yeah, so I, I think that we're really starting to see this market change a little bit. Obviously, the interest rates have been coming up, but um, I, I, the inventory is still obviously the biggest problem. I mean, uh, the we've we're still way under where we need to be for the amount of buyers out there. So I think that's always that's going to continue to be the issue, you know, for a while now is going to be inventory, um, especially if the interest rates do continue to climb. Um, that's when we might see the market change a little bit because yes, we're going to still have low inventory, but the buyer pool is going to dramatically, dramatically drop. So that could even out the market and, and sure. change and bring down the prices of homes for a while. So um, obviously I don't even think the big economists right now kind of, they're all over the board on yeah, this I agree. subject. And, and if you research it, you might have some say that, it's going to change next year and we're going to go back into another good spring market and the interest rates are going to come down and it's going to be kind of back to where we were. And then you have other ones saying that it's going to go in the opposite direction and interest rates are going to come up and it's going to bring the buyer pool down and home rate or home prices are going to come down. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of like shake the crystal ball moment in yeah. real estate right now because we don't really know which way the market's going. And, and, and it's like that, not just in real estate, but just in general, even with kind the stock everywhere. market and everything, it's yeah. the vo- volatility right now is is all over the board. So it's going to be, uh, I think come, you know, February, March is when we're going to start having a I- better idea on what next year is going to really bring as far as how the real estate market is going to be for next year. So smart. I think you have to look at the micro markets within the bigger markets because, you know, I typically am more of a west side to southwest side agent. And I do I do occasionally dabble on the east side. And I mean, I was in multiple offers over the weekend. We wrote sixty six thousand dollars over asking price. I mean, I'll spare you all the details. And we were the third highest offer. Wow. So I just in some instances in especially areas that are, I don't want to call them recession proof. Um, they just have a certain demand that people looking there, they're not sure. necessarily paying attention to interest rates. 
Um, we don't know what's going to happen, but it would take something pretty major to shift us to a buyer's market. I don't know. I think things are just going to be slow for a little while while people try to figure out what's going on. And that is where realtors, we need to watch the message that we're putting out there because we're feeding yep. the anxiety yep. where people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Tell them it's okay. It is okay. <laughs> well, they have to manage expectations, you know, so, so, you know, to, you know, talk to your client and not, you know, make sure that they're not panicking whether or not, you know, the interest rates going up or how much inventory is there, how many, you know, can we get our offer in, you know, so it's ma about managing their expectations in, in the market as well as your own as a realtor, right? Sure. Well, in full circle, like I said, coming back to motivation, the question is, if it really is interest rate, which I, I'm willing to bet that's not someone's main objection is saying, sure well, what interest rate are you going to be comfortable with right. to find a home? So what I'm hearing you say, you want your payment to be around this. Right. So if I can find a house that fits your criteria and your payments there, is it safe to say you don't really care what your interest rate is? So again, finding their main motivation, because what's way scary to me than an interest rate is paying $2,000 plus in rent. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And boy, rent right now. That's, we, that's a whole, interest rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother podcast episode <laughs> talking about renting right now. But. So Kelly, I want to jump in. This yeah. is why it's fantastic being here with not only two friends, but two just amazing minds as well. Exactly what they both said. What, it, what Aaron said, it's the message that we give to our buyers. Yep. You know, we have to, it's the glass half full. Look at it. Don't look at it glass half empty. We, we can go home and talk to our husbands and wives or whatever and say, you know, this, this, things are getting, to, but we cannot put that message out there. And because we're the voice of real estate, right? you know, and like, you know, just piggybacking on both on, on, on Jeremy and, and, and on, on Aaron, it's, you know, I ran a particular city, I'll just say Parma. I'm born and raised in Parma, but I ran a particular city. Parma's the seventh largest city in the state of Ohio. Lots of lots of inventory. At the height of the seller's market, there was about well, let me let me let me back up. Back in the 2009-2010 during the foreclosure crisis, Parma had over 700 listings. Okay. At the height of the seller's market, Parma had about 25. Right now there's about 90. Inventory still low. Yeah, it We're is still low. And to talk about what Aaron just said, I looked at some of the clothes. I just did the last 60 days. I looked at some of the prices in Parma and this is just Parma. This probably goes for a lot of cities. The, the sales, the sales price, they're still up. They're yeah. still like, like Aaron's talking about 66,000 over asking. They're still, I, and I looked at some of these all over asking. So we still have a strong seller's market. I agree. Just like Aaron said, People right now are kind of just they're The buyers are still there. They're just kind of like, well, maybe I should hold weight. And, and it's all about the message that we're sending right. them and what we're telling them. So both what Jeremy said, both what, what uh, Aaron said, but great points. I mean, it's it, our message, the way we deliver it to our, to our clients. It means everything right now, especially right now. Well, and I think, too, you know, you guys, you're, you're talking about the strength of everything that, you know, is going on right now. And I I looked at the. The statistics that we pulled at the 15th of the month, you know, just what that was two weeks ago. Um, and there's the months of inventory in all three counties in our footprint are less than two months worth of Correct. inventory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in some cases, just barely over one month right. of inventory. So, you know, um, that that is a story all by itself. I mean, so that tells you you're still 
you know, kind of in this situation where, you know, while the news is saying that it's one way, you know, we're still not really experiencing that yet. We're still in that $66,000 over asking situation. And I think that comes down to, and I, I guess I'm a little passionate about this right now. It's how are you marketing your home? Because now it matters the condition. Sure. Where the difference is in the spring. I think we can all agree. It almost didn't matter. Right. You know what the condition of your home was, mm. but with a higher interest rate, Cash is getting a little tighter. Sure. People don't want to come in and have to put, you know, umpteen thousand dollars into yep. the home. So they, I think they're being more picky about the condition of the home. And you're seeing some of these homes that are sitting because they might need a new roof and a new right. furnace and they're cosmetically right. dated. So it's just that's why you need a realtor that you trust and you're going to take their expertise yep. because it is so patchy right now what's going on. I agree. I yeah, completely agree. Great points. <clears throat> you guys said that, you know, the the media gets paid for panic. So yep. um and Thank and you. that's what they're doing and and they're using, you know, this especially we're coming into elections stuff and things like oh, yeah. that. It's it's this is what they're doing to make it seemed like it's going to be the end of the world. Right. And, and we do need to be the voice of, you know, our industry. And so that, you know, customers and clients and people out there know that it's really not the end of the world and, and this is going to be okay. And it's still a great time to buy ourselves. So um, I, I think we really do need to keep putting that message out there more and, and stop posting, you know, sharing Yahoo news reports of, you know, things like that, that are doom and gloom. Are, are doom and gloom. Yep. Great minds think alike. I'm same wavelength with Jeremy used to be back in the day. There were 15 news stories. 13 were good. Two were bad. Now it's the other way around. Now it's like negative drama. That's makes for good news. That's and what talking and talking about a terrible, you know, real estate market. It's mm -hmm. not terrible. We no. slowed a little bit, but we're still we can pull the numbers right now and you can see the real estate mar market is not terrible. Right. It's slowing slightly. But again, like Aaron said, you have to you have to hire a realtor right now more than ever. It really matters who you hire as your realtor. It really does. I mean, it always has, but I mean, in, 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 in slightly challenging times right now, it does. You can't just trust anybody out there. Well, and for, for any, you know, consumers that are listening today, I, I would like to, you know, say that, you know, you, we don't, we don't trust other things to non-experts. You wouldn't have somebody come and fix your plumbing that doesn't know anything about plumbing. So, you know, the, the smart thing to do is to engage a realtor and somebody that's got your best interest at heart, sure. uh, that is there to, to advocate for you. Um, you know, and I, I, I have this conversation with, you know, friends and family all the time. And I'm like, you know, you, you wouldn't go to have your appendix out at, you know, the, the local market around the corner. Why would you take something that is like potentially your biggest purchase of your life and just kind of, Wing, Wing it. it. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're not going to go see your dentist to have him work on your heart. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so um, you know, we're talking about all, you know, the, the market kind of being still what it is and that. So with regard to first time home buyers, because this can be very nerve wracking for them when, you know, they've never done this before and that. What kind of advice are you guys seeing out there giving to your first time home buyers who are in the midst of the throes of all of this, you know, multiple offers situations and things like that? I think a timeline um you know, I like to plan. I'm not a doomsday prepper, but I do kind of like to know what worst case scenario looks like. So is this your three to five year home? Is this long term? You know, sure. hey, if something does happen to the market, God forbid, 
could we rent this if you got relocated for a job? What resources around that? So really understanding their budget and I won't say the word on here because I'm sure it's hundred, but your oh crap funds. Like mm-hmm. you also have to have yeah, sure. that set aside. So you just have to like dive in and it, it, everything you've said, you have to trust your realtor to go there because finances can be a very personal topic. Sure. So, but if you trust your agent and we sit down, we say, what is your budget? What's the one thing we can't change? Location. If you're not willing to look at other cities, this may be a longer process for you. And sure. just overall gauging expectations. And you might pivot halfway through the search because things change. And it's just always got to be a two-way communication. But I think, too, like what you just said about, you know, making sure that you have those open conversations, especially for a first-time homebuyer who's never been through. The, they, they don't they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think by being, you know, forward and, and saying, here, let's talk about this. Let's put it all on the table in front of you so that you understand what we're going to go through at every single step of the process so that they feel more confident in what they're doing. Yeah. And I want to be a realtor for the rest of your life. So I'm not in the business of throwing someone into a house just to make a sale. Right. So I, it is important to say, this is the market you're going into. And if now is not the right time to buy, that's okay. But when is going to be the right time? Let's come up with a plan for that. Because the last thing, and it was a little more applicable in the spring If you weren't going to go over asking price, if you weren't willing to do an appraisal gap and do all those things, you're just going to get burnt out and discouraged. Sure. Now's a great time to revisit those people and say, hey, not sure if you heard, (laughs) the market's a little different. Like, let's revisit this. So just, it all comes back to communication. Yeah, absolutely. So do you guys, are you you seeing the the bidding war thing going on still kind of now with what you're doing? Sounds like Aaron is. Well, I know Aaron Aaron mentioned she is. I could talk about it too is, you know, it's certain houses and it's certain areas that you're seeing it. So, you know, you're getting like Aaron had mentioned, you know, condition. Condition's a big thing. If if there's a house that is very well maintained, has, you know, a lot going for it, you're seeing those multiple offer situations still and lots of showings. And then on the flip side, there's other ones that come on and they're sitting there, you know, they're getting not a lot of showings and they're you're seeing them come down in price because the market from summertime till now, the buyer pool is is down. So there's less people taking those chances on the houses that do need a new roof, like she said, and, and things. And the ones that are done and people can move right into are the ones that you're really seeing the multiple offer situation going on sure. with. So it, it's got a little different, but like Aaron said, it is a great time if you know, you're a first time home buyer and you're willing to you know kind of take on something that might be a little more of a project and you have the funds and the means to do those things because those houses are available out there and they're sitting for a little longer time. So you're able to negotiate a little bit with them and, and really you know get yourself into a home. So I, I think it's, like she said, it's a great time for those people that might have been frustrated that we're losing out a lot before. Right. There's some inventory out there for you if you know you're willing to take on one of those type homes. So last summer into this spring, it was a feeding frenzy. We all know. Yeah. It was, you know, you couldn't go home and sleep and think about it and call your mom, <laughs> call your dad. You, it, it, literally, no. I mean, there were houses as you were walking through them, probably already had offers on them. Yeah. Unless you were the very first showing, you know, so. It, and even then they probably. And even then there's probably, <laughs> probably the neighbors like, oh, my uh, brother wants to buy the house. Uh, yeah. We'll write an offer. So, but I think I speak for the three of us like that. We're not, we don't, 
we don't really like like the market. It's great to have, you know, the, the houses are selling, but it's it's hard because especially if you're working with a first time home buyer, right. like Aaron was like, you got to educate them. Yeah. Now maybe you go back to them because they probably got frustrated last year and they probably were like, hell with it, I'm out of here. And now you can go back to them and say, hey, now we can actually walk through a home. There's a little bit more time. You can kind of make a decision, things of that nature. Because last summer into this spring, I mean, that's it was that was the apex of it was just it was crazy. I've never seen anything. No, like it. it was it was yeah. just unbelievable. And, it's, you knew if you walked into the home, it was priced right and showed well. I mean, even if it, the condition, even if the condition was not, you knew there was it, you were going to be in a, in a bidding war. And so a lot of first time home buyers really got turned off. I've worked with them. I'm sure Jeremy and Aaron worked with them. It was just it. You know, they got frustrated. Maybe they stayed where they were at. Maybe they went and rented or whatever. Well, now as this market has changed a little bit, now they get a chance to go through. They can walk through. They can go home, eat dinner and talk about it. You know, whereas before it was like, as soon as we see the house, we're going to go and sit down and we're writing the offer. You know, here we go. And and for some, for a young person, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, or a person, any, any age person who's this, you know, buying a home for the first time, that's, you know, would have to be a very nervous time if you're walking through the house with your, with your agent and, and all of a sudden there are five other people standing in line to go through this house that you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to offer whatever. I better write my offer, right? You know, have my agent write my offer right now, because, you know, if I don't, I'm going to lose out on it or whatever. But, and again, it's, it's a huge purchase. So, to have to do it in such a short period of time has got to be. It know, wasn't my favorite market. If yeah. I had to be honest, like yeah. because it takes so much, it takes away the education and the skill portion of what we do. Sure. And I did feel like an auctioneer and there's no logic <laughs> and I'll never forget. Like my hometown is Grafton. And so if you know, if you have any septic questions, I'm your gal. Um, <laughs> we had 130 showings. Was the property underpriced? I guess. And, you know, Mr. Chris Cobain also wrote an offer. Sorry, Chris. Um, It's okay. He loves you still. But there wasn't one data point that came anywhere close to supporting what we got on that call. And it was a disaster. I mean, people were knocking on my client's windows, you know, trying to come in because it was just, I mean, we might as well have had the police department directing traffic out there. That's not fun. And that's not... I mean, I have PTSD, so I am embracing. <laughs> why. I am embracing some of these market changes. That's why I said yeah. that. I said I speak for Jeremy and speak for Aaron. I'm sure we didn't. We weren't crazy about no. that market because, like Aaron said, you want to educate your client. You don't really yeah. have now. It's kind of takes that out. Now you're like, hurry up and write. Hurry up and write. Yeah. Perfect example. Like Aaron said, we had a listing in Westlake last year. Over one weekend, 186 showings. Oh my heavens! And 32 offers. At the open house, I was there with another, you know, with another member of our team, two members of the team. We probably had in two hours, we probably had 80, 90, 100 people through. It was crazy. Wow. And so 32 offers. And there were a lot of agents that didn't write because they knew there was multiple offers. So there right. could have been access forward. We, I speak for the three of us here. We don't like that. that we're that we're no. not really particularly, you know, we don't get the warm and fuzzy feelings about that market because it just, it, it it's, it's. 
this market now where you start to see more of a normal market. It's kind of like what we were used to prior to the whole COVID craze and everybody yeah. just jumped in. So I know Jeremy wants to say something. I was going to say, I, I piggyback on what Aaron said. It felt like we became order takers instead of yeah. realtors. I, I mean, it got to the point where it was like being a waitress and you were just like, okay, what do you want? What do you, what, you know, no inspections, no appraisals. Uh, uh, what price do you want to pay? Uh, do you got the cash to go over? Great. I'll write it up. And you sent it in and that was it. You know, we, and we came from, you know, pre when you actually like negotiated terms and there was, you know, a thing called counters and <laughs> normalized. Um, it was and, a normalized market. And, yeah. and there's a lot of agents still that never were in those markets. And you're seeing it now, you know, when you're sending things to them and, and they're like, well, well what's what that you, what, about? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, you, you want a counter? Like, so I, I like I said, there's going to be a lot of changing and you're i think we're uh, hopefully we get back to i always i always say can we just bring back like 2015 it was a great time like there was a, a decent amount of inventory you could go show five six houses to a client in a day and they liked one and you wrote on it and then you negotiated it so it was you know if you had buyers it was a great time you know and it's always going to be obviously listings are king so it you know, it's always going to be if you have the listings, it's a great thing. But, you know, I know a lot of you guys do listings like me. It's kind of like one of my things I love to do. And it, it was exhausting for a while there sure. because, you know, you're you're I had clients who literally went and stayed in hotels for weekends because there were so many showings coming in on the weekend. They just went and, and rented a hotel room. So wow. it. It was, you know, but you had to prepare them for that. You so know? I'm sure there were also situations where y'all were, you know, your client is going, you know what? No, I'll waive the inspection or I'll do this or, you know, and things that normally you would not recommend. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know that waiving the inspections is is kind of like a thing that that most realtors never would recommend. And I know there was a lot of that going on, too, you know, in this kind of situation. And and I that's got to be hard on your end. Because you know, and there's there's other there's other places where, you know, they do real estate differently. And, you know, it's the interesting thing about being, you know, in a position, I, I do a lot of like uh, online masterminds and stuff, and there's agents from all over the country. And it was pretty cool to see like some ways that other markets were changing. And and there's places where they were doing an inspection week. So when the house listed on the market, the first week was an inspection week. So you actually were, had that week to schedule a time to bring in an inspector and do that. And then they accepted the offers at the end of the week. So mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool in the fact that, you know, it kind of, changed that market and how they did it because then everybody kind of came and did their inspection up front. So you weren't writing inspection contingencies, but everybody had a chance to go do their inspection and then write their offer afterwards. So I was like, something in the back of my mind was like, I wish we could do that here. Yeah. Like, could we change the way this is done? Because I really think that, you know, if we, something like that here would be an amazing thing because now you're not you're not taking the house off the market for an inspection and then coming back on. You're not losing right. market time for your clients. So I think it would be cool that, you know, kind of like change in some sure. way. And and I was thinking that, you know, coming out of this whole craziness that we would see some kind of like changing of the way that we do business. And here. that could still happen. You don't, yeah. you don't know, you know, we don't know what's, what's down the road yet. So, so as successful realtors, what is the best advice you could give colleague on how to increase their, their success on during times of uncertainty with regard to like teams, 
or broker assistance or assistance from their their local board of realtors. Um, what would you what would you tell a colleague in you know with relationship to that? Because I you guys are all on teams. You all have teams. Um, except Jeremy, are you? I not? it's in a different sense. It's a different yeah. okay <laughs> okay. So so kind of how, what would what would your advice be to people with regard to that to other realtors? I'm probably extremely biased because I am a professional coach, but coaching is such a game changer with the accountability. And unfortunately, right now, a lot of people are trimming the fat of their expenses to watch their bottom line and keep things super profitable. And sometimes the first thing to go is coaching. And I'm like, no, 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 that's the worst thing you can do in a shifting market, which like, let's be honest, we're not shifting anymore. We've shifted. (laughs) Like we are here, it has arrived. Technically we are in a recession as a country and you need accountability. And I don't care what company you work for. You can be successful absolutely anywhere. But if you, I mean, I go to CrossFit because I know I'm not going to work out by myself at home. It's just not going to happen. So why do we have these accountability systems set up everywhere else in our life and then we don't do it for our business? Right. So I would say find a coach, find a mentor. If it's not in the budget to invest in coaching, you need to identify that person that's going to hold you accountable. And I personally don't think it can be a spouse or a family member. It needs to be in that business setting. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, Go ahead, Jeremy. I, I was going to say, you know, we always say, you know, leaders learn. And that's another thing. It goes along with coaching is I really think when markets change like this, it's putting in the time and work to continue learning and developing and sharpening your skills. And that's where the coaching comes in. Um, and and you, some people, you know, you don't have to just have a coach. There's a lot of free resources out there, even, you know, ACAR has a lot of great classes that you can take that are a lot of CE classes. And I think, you know, your business may be a little slower, but this is a great time to start resharpening your acts and your skills and and redeveloping yourself. And I think those are the agents who are going to stick along to the business or the ones that are keep developing and keep learning and keep, you know, learning new skills and with the trade throughout, you know, this slow time. So mindset, Kelly, mindset is, is a huge part okay. of that. Take this time right now in a challenging market, slightly challenging market. Take this time right now to grow. Like Aaron said, and like uh, Jeremy said, coaching, training, you know, you, you don't cut it out of your budget. Now more than ever, you would need it. Sure. Now you want to be involved because now, you, you know, that 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 crazy market that we were in for 18 to 24 months really is now we're starting to see a slow. And like Aaron said, we're here now. This is it's, it's here. It's, it's arrived. It's at your door and you got to deal with it. Uh, Coaching training. That's so very important. Use this time right now to grow, you know, use this time, look at dead in the face adversity, look at dead in the face and take it on. And it's all about your mindset. Like if you wake up in the morning and it's a cloudy day and you're like, Oh, this stinks. I'm going to go back to bed. No, just be like, I woke up this morning. This is another great yep. day. So, but I agree with what, what they both say, like coaching, the training. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's this, this is something, especially now in this market when things are great, Hey, life is great. But when things start <laughs> to get a little challenging, last thing you want to do is turn your back on that. Well, so it's, you know, and it is, it's about upping your game at that point. You know, when things start to get a little shifty or, or that it's about upping your game. So I, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about professionalism. You know, um, I know that one of the big things uh, that I, that we hear at ACAR a lot is people are running into other agents, other realtors that they're, professionalism could use some work. 
shall we say. Um, so what do you, do you guys each work on something with, within yourselves to, to up that game as far as, you know, is it, is it about taking classes to learn to be a better agent? Is it about designations, getting, getting those things behind you? What kinds of things are you working on to up your game in the, in that area? I mean, I used to get really fired up about, the lack of professionalism sometimes. And I felt like it was a real estate thing. And then actually my husband coming from corporate America, he was a supervisor for UPS. You start to realize that there is no industry that's exempt from what we experience. Nope. <laughs> um, so I think like coming from a team setting, knowing what your mission statement is, knowing your values. And then, you know, in the beginning, I was so flattered when anyone would want to join my team and would want to work with me. And then I really had to realize that I'm also not the right fit for everyone and identifying those core values and ours are grit and gratitude and excellence and trust. And I won't work with anyone or pour into them if they don't align with those core values. Smart. And I can only do so much. So we love on the difficult co-brokes as much as we can, kill them with kindness. And there's only so much you can do. And maybe they're just having a bad day. (laughs) Everybody has them. We all have the bad day. So it's just probably working through that and figuring out the best way to be the best at what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So ditto, ditto what Aaron said, ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from a company that we have a virtual platform and stuff, you know, so we, we call it, you know, figure out your perfect avatar. You know, what does that avatar look like? What is that person that you see your character look like? And, and what do you want other people that are associated with you to look like as an avatar? And it's and it's funny to think about that. But when you really do break that down and, and put it as like a video game character and, and put that image of like, this is what I want to be like. And this is what I want the people social media, like she said, is finding those right fits for you. And everybody has even clients wise. I mean. Not every client is right for you. And there's times when you should fire a client and just or not take that listing. Don't just, hey, I know we want the business and you walk in. But if you're not a good fit for that agent, it's okay to say no and let or for that client. It's okay to say no and let someone else you refer it to, you know, I know another agent that would be a good fit for you. You kind of know those people that work with those things. So I think it's the same with you know, whether it's buyers or sellers or it's other agents in the industry of, of you, there's good fits for everyone. And, and it's really finding those pieces that you need on your team and that you will grow because you're picking and piecing those, what you need. And, and instead of just getting everybody. And I think the only way you get the option to choose who you work with is by being disciplined to lead generate. Yep. Because Everyone has a bottom line. We all have bills to pay. You don't get to, you are going to have to work with anyone and everyone if you don't go out and find the business for yourself. Right. So create those lead generation habits, build them into your day. And then if somebody isn't the right fit for you, you send them to your friends and they can deal with the headache. (laughs) I I have to say, because Aaron and I have had these conversations about people in the past. It's also a character. It's a character thing, too, like Mm -hmm. with people. I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, we see a lot of people coming into the business, especially over the last few few years. You know, it, it for me, like where I work at Russell, I mean, it, they're not worried about being the biggest. They're worried about being the best. You know, they're worried about they, they want quality, you know, agents that are working there. And, and, and the 
to the owners, the trainers, uh, you know, the people that are in, in management there. They just it's it's we're a family and and it really is a character. You know, I sit on the grievance committee here at ACAR. And so I hear you this. Hear I hear a lot of the <laughs> what we're talking about right sure. here, which, of course, I cannot discuss. No, but um, I hear a lot of it. And, you know, it's there are some bad apples in our business. I'm glad that there's three shiny, beautiful, you know, wonderful apple sitting in this room, right? Well, Kelly, you're four, you're the fourth one. (laughs) But I mean, it's a lot of it's a character thing too. It's just, you know, it's, if, you know, all different walks of life, all different, uh, you know, type of professions, there's just sometimes they're bad apples, but you know, it's important. Lead generation is important. And like Aaron said, on our team, it, we have certain values as well. If you're not a good fit or maybe right. well, I'm not a good fit, for, then it's, you know, then we just part ways. Well, and I still, I, I, I've always felt that, you know, you, perhaps maybe, you know, you don't have that right fit and, and you refer that, that buyer to someone else that's going to come back to you at some point in, in, in the form of grace being granted for, for some other thing. Sure. So, you know, I think that the high road is always kind of the better, the better road taken in, in cases where the, the, you already realize the fit's not right. So, you know, and perhaps that person is thinking that too, you know, and they're just Absolutely. not, you know, willing to, to take that step and say it, but well, we've shared a ton of information here today, and I hope that everyone out there was taking lots and lots of notes. <laughs> I'm going to finish by asking each one of you a question that we ask of all of our guests. And, you know, since this is the Home for All podcast and Home for All is the social the social movement here at ACAR, I'd like to know what Home for All means to each one of you personally. Yeah, so... To me, um, what it means to me is that everybody should have the opportunity. It's the American dream to own uh, property. And I think it's one of the things that makes the United States great is the opportunity to own property. And, and you know, all around the world, people don't have get that luxury. So um, right now we're seeing, obviously, there's big changing times and rent rental rates are going up and and all all this chaos and um you know i think affordable housing in this country is is you see a big push on it right now and and trying to um find homes for you know lower income and stuff like that so um that's what home for all really stands for me is you know the the ability for everybody and the opportunity for them to own a home because it is the single best way to create wealth and and if we lack on getting the lower class and people like that into home ownership opportunities, they don't get the opportunity to build wealth in, in their lives. So it's more than just that it's generational wealth. You know, there's a lot of houses that get handed down to next generation. So it's it's stability in people's lives. You know, it's that one thing that owning a home, it creates stability and, and the, uh, and the ability for you to create wealth. So it's, to me, it's a big deal. That's a great answer. So I, my team spent most of 2022 really like honing in on our mission statement. And I think it just really aligns with this. So our mission statement with Art of the Real Estate is to build what lives worth living by educating ourselves and others how to build abundant wealth via real estate. So I had this epiphany that, first of all, there's no millionaire or billionaire in the world that doesn't own real estate. Second of all, if I stop selling real estate tomorrow, 
I don't have a tangible business to sell. It all goes away. So how am I going to build wealth? By buying real estate. So if I'm going to do it, why wouldn't I want to do that? And not to drop a Gary Keller quote, but he says, first, we're going to earn a million. Then we're going to net a million. Then we're going to give a million. So you can't give back and you can't change the world if you don't have the financial ability to do it. And what better way to do it than via real estate? Love that answer. See, we're in this room with fantastic minds here. right? Um, Absolutely. I mean, real estate is where the wealth is. Home for all is exactly what it states. I mean, this isn't when you look at the hashtag, hashtag home for all, it's making all communities, all areas of, of, of Northeast Ohio home for all regardless of race, religion, you know, it, diversity, inclusion of everybody. That's that's what we're that's what we're doing here. And like Jeremy had said and Aaron just said, giving back is huge. Helping someone purchase a home, playing that role. That's typically the largest unless they're buying a business and it's a different story. That's usually the largest financial decision yep. they're going to make in their life. And to help them do that and at the same time they're building wealth. You know, and again, we I'm sure all three of us here have worked with investors as well, real estate investors. I got involved in real estate investing back in 2004, 2005. So building the wealth. She's right. There's not a millionaire billionaire in this world that that doesn't own real estate and has a lot of it. Right. But home for all is we're taking that that type that element and we're putting it together to where we want all communities to be welcome of all people, regardless of uh, you know, what their religion, their skin color, what their beliefs are. We want everybody to live with, with, with everybody. And obviously, so you take that element as well as the fact that when you help someone purchase a home, you're actually helping them build wealth. And then like Aaron says, you give back too. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a great, it's, 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 it's just a, it's a nice, wonderful, happy cycle. Yeah. So, but for me, it's, that's, that's just what it means to me. So you guys all had really great answers. I'll tell you what, I've been doing this podcast now for not quite two years. And and I ask that question to everybody every single time. And I continue to be amazed at how how different, but yet how very the 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 through line is is very similar every single time. And everybody has such a passion for making sure that people get into the to a home that they want. And and that is, you know, the bottom line is that everybody deserves that. So, well, it's time to put a wrap on another awesome episode. Um, would you each like to provide your contact info so our listeners can get a hold of you in case they would like to? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jeremy Fennell and uh, my email is jeremy at fennellexp.com and my phone number is 330-302-1170. Excellent. Aaron? My email is long. I apologize. <laughs> but the best way, you probably find me on social media, uh, A-H-R-E-N. I promise I'm going to be the only realtor in the area that spells their name like that. And my phone number is 440-537-4502. Tim? Tim Damiano. You can reach me at 216-215-6589. Or my email address is Dami Sold it at Yahoo. So it's D-A-M-I 
S-O-L-D-I-T at Yahoo. Not damn I sold it. Sometimes people try to give me a little bit more credit, but it's Dami's the first four letters of my last name. So Dami sold it at Yahoo. You just go with that, okay? When they say it, I'm just like, yep, that's what I meant. If it works for me, I'll go with it. I I love that. And we'll also include uh, all that contact information in the show notes for you too. So uh, if you didn't get to write it down, you can check the show notes for that. So I want to thank all of you for being here with me today. I really appreciate that I'm truly grateful for all of your knowledge and your insight and your expertise. And um, I want to thank our listeners for downloading and subscribing to the ACAR Home for All podcast. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next episode. And I hope until we meet again that you're finding your very own meaning of Home for All. 